This week's episode of Quality Control is brought to you by Loot Crate. Hey, would you classify yourself as a geek, gamer, or pop culture nerd? Then this is the subscription box for you. For less than $20 a month, you get six to eight items of gamer and pop culture licensed gear, apparel collectibles, unique one-of-a-kind items, and more. Make sure to head to lootcrate.com control and enter the code control to save $3 on any new subscription. Not that long ago, and depending on where you live, not so far away, Loot Crate blasted off into a voyage across the galaxy. That's the theme of this month's box. We're going to be searching the far reaches of space to find universally awesome gear. Using December's Star Wars The Force Awakens lead as the launch pad, we landed on some equally cosmic items from Halo 5 and more. With an exclusive Funko Pop and exclusive t-shirt this month's crate, this is the loot you're looking for. Now, remember, you only have until the 19th at 9 p.m. Pacific to subscribe and receive that month's crate. And when the cutoff happens, that's it. It's over. So go to lootcrate.com slash control and enter the code control to save $3 on your new subscription today. My guest today is Arthur Geese. He's here to talk about his review of Rainbow Six Siege. My name is Justin McElroy, and you're listening to Polygon's Quality Control. <laughs> What a pleasure it is to see you. Wow. Wow. We're going to do the last one of the year with start off like that. Professional wow. broadcasting. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, Justin. Hi. Uh, Rainbow Six Siege is back to basics. Sure. Sort In of. a way. Yes, kind of. You know, it's funny. Until I read in your review that it was kind of a return to form, I kind of forget that it used to be like my friend Tommy Red just like kicking open all the doors in a building and killing like me instantly because I didn't know how to play the game. Yep. Yep. That's that's, that's Rainbow Six at its core. Yeah. Well, Rainbow Six at its core, I think, is playing the first two missions of the original game and never getting past them and then stopping playing the original game. Yes. uh, Yeah, that might be what I'm remembering as well. Um, But it's the Rainbow Six Siege is a far cry. I have a lot. There are a lot of people like myself who I think have fond memories of Specifically, Rainbow Six Vegas and yeah. Vegas Two, yeah, because um, they were excellent games. Yes, um, they were. And Rainbow Six Siege is not that. So, can you tell me sort of like a little bit more of your history with the series itself, and sort of what your expectations were going into this? You know, I mean, I've I've played most of the Rainbow Six games, including like back when they were PC exclusives, and then uh, Rainbow Six Three on Xbox Three on Xbox, like original Xbox. Um, but I think like the the point where I really sort of fell in love was with Rainbow Six Vegas, uh, and in a lot of ways that's because of the just massive breadth of content available there. Like it had a, a really good, really interesting, really long campaign that offered full cooperative play in addition to AI commands that were pretty involved for the time, in particular. Uh, yeah, super super dynamic sort yeah. of. If I remember correctly, if you're playing with a friend, especially every few beats like it was a very new environment that required different yeah. like engagement to survive and constant breaches and just like a lot of opportunities to use the tools at your disposal and uh, and then the place where I spent the most time and I didn't play a ton of adversarial multiplayer I played some but the place where I spent the most time and the same with my friends was terrorist hunt uh, because that was just this sort of dynamically generated version of everything that we liked about the game in the first place uh, and and I think that 
Ubisoft is aware of the good vibes that people had toward Rainbow Six Vegas. Uh, and after the sort of fizzling out and explosion of Rainbow Six Patriots and how that game was announced and then just disappeared, uh, it seems like they wanted to play that up a little bit with Rainbow Six Siege and announcing Terrorist Ton of D3. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember that a lot of people on staff were very excited for stuff like The Last Guardian, but for me, and I think I speak for uh, Griffin McElroy as well, like the most exciting part of E3 was like when Ubisoft said Terrorist Hunt will be in Rainbow Six Siege. Um, but uh, unfortunately, that's just not, it's not what I think that we had hoped it would be. Well, let's start there then. Terrorist Hunt, talk about a little bit about what it was in the previous uh, Rainbow Six games and, and how it is translated here in Siege. Um. Uh, in in previous, I mean, in Rainbow Six Vegas and Vegas Two, uh, Terrorist Hunt basically took single player levels or big sections of single player levels and randomly populated them with enemies that you had to find and kill, uh, and that includes like spawn closets and sort of like random spawns of enemies in those levels, and so it would always be different, and it would also always be really tense because there'd be no respawns and weapon lethality in Rainbow Six is always very high. Um, and I think the the biggest difference in Siege versus Vegas is just the size and scope of the levels in comparison. They're just much, much smaller. Uh, they're competitive multiplayer levels with AI opponents as opposed to big sort of campaign spaces. And that's uh, just not as fun. And uh, also surprisingly on Xbox One and PS4 at least, Terrorist Hunt is peer-to-peer network-wise. Like you're connecting to a host. And so if that person decides they're not liking the game, they can quit out and that just ends the match. Yikes. Uh, which I mean, in 2006 when rainbow six Vegas came out, like that's just what you expected, but that was nine years ago. And I, I think that we, we rightfully expect more and that's just not what you're getting. It seems like this is the sort of thing I, I get real, uh, uh, whenever a game does not have a, a sort of single player uh, or campaign component, um, I get, I get a little antsy about it because mm-hmm. it seems like uh, the, you are completely reliant on there being a community that is actually like decent to play with and knows what they're doing. And, and, and it seems like this game specifically, like because it is sort of a, a more tactical thing, like you are completely reliant on, whether or not you're paired with people who know what they're doing and aren't, um, well, dullards, uh, to, to <laughs> I mean, to, to use a, 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 a family friendly terminology. Is a that term the of case art. In, yeah. Uh, is that the, is that the case in your music siege? Uh, absolutely. Um, if you do not have a microphone and at least a couple of other people on your five person team have microphones, I think that you are going to get, uh, I believe the technical term is wrecked. Mm-hmm. Uh, R-E-K-T. Um, yeah, scientifically speaking. Yes. Um, it, it's just so much about preparation and so much about coordination and so little about moment-to-moment shooting or reflexes uh, in comparison to other shooters that you really need to be working with each other with the tools that each of you are bringing to the table and everybody's bringing something different to the table. Uh, and if you're not talking like literally verbally communicating, it's basically impossible to, mm-hmm. to win if you're against a team that's even moderately coordinated. Uh, yeah, it, it seems like there just isn't like a guaranteed 100% way that you could uh, have fun with this. Like you, you just aren't guaranteed anything. 
I mean, there there is in a way. Like, if you have four other friends who buy the game and you can always stack up with them and play with them, then I think that that will reveal a level of depth and sophistication that is otherwise something that you're just never going to find uh, in Rainbow Six Siege or something that you can't reliably find in Rainbow Six Siege. Mm-hmm. Um, which is too bad because, I mean, and we discourage language like this in reviews because a game is what it is. It's not about what it could have been. But there are moments where I had a lot of fun with Rainbow mm-hmm. Six Siege when I was with a team that was working together effectively and we were coordinated and against a team no less that was also working effectively and coordinated. It led to some really tense moments and there's a tension present in moments of Rainbow Six Siege that are are sort of unparalleled in other shooters because the attack defense dynamic and the the preparation phase just leads to this tension as as you both know that something is going to happen. You're just not sure when. Um, and that leads to a, a real sort of tangible sense of fear and anticipation. And a lot of shooters don't have that. Like they just start and you shoot and that's it. And that's fine for those games. But Rainbow Six Siege handles that really well when it handles it. But when right. you're not working together, it's not tension. It's just mounting frustration. Do you feel like there's a little bit of an aspect of like fingers in the ears la 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 we know that this is fun under certain conditions like do you do you feel like they've ignored some of the inherent problems with the with the design i think that one of the ways that they've tried to sort of set expectations and circumvent casual criticism is by positioning the game as an esport uh they've been making a lot of noise over the last couple of months about how rainbow six siege is an esport that that's the way you're supposed to play because Games like League of Legends and Dota and Heroes of the Storm and, and Smite are games that you play with other people together a lot and you work as a team and there's that sort of like rule set that establishes it as a sport. Uh, and I think that under those conditions, like Siege works. But I also think the, the key difference between those games, uh, aside from one of just basic mechanics because it's a shooter, is that those games are free. Uh, the the right. barrier to entry is non-existent, uh, whereas Rainbow Six Siege is, is asking both the standard retail price of the game as well as gating content the way that those other games do. Uh, it is a free-to-play progression system and game structure within a $60 retail title without any of the shortcuts or convenience that free-to-play games offer at a price. So because I get this game has such like it is so conditional, right, on whether or not you're going to have a good time. Um there's so many asterisks you have to put after it, but but in its ideal scenario it does work well. How do you go about uh reviewing something like that? How do you how do you qualify that? I mean, uh, a lot of it is just sort of explaining the experience I had with the game as someone that was that wanted to really give it a shot. Like we didn't rush out this review. Uh, yeah. The game came out like a week and a half ago, um, and we were not given advanced access to the game, shy of the public beta, which didn't work because of network problems for the majority of its duration, uh, as well as I played some of the technical alpha like a, like five or six hours there. We played some of the beta back in October. Um, I think that in that situation, we we try to just say what the game is, um, and and just really level with the audience in that regard, and and I think that that's what I do in in the text. Like I mentioned the things that can be really good about the game, and I think that there are some people that are gonna read the review and think I don't care about this 
his problems, like the thing that he's describing that he liked is something that I can totally get on board with. And I understand that. Like if somebody really is into Rainbow Six Siege, uh, I don't think that that makes them strange or that they like bad games. Um, Mm -hmm. As long as I, I think that there needs to be a certain amount of sort of honesty with each other and with with the audience about what the game is uh, and what you need to deal with to get into it. Uh, just a reminder, everybody, this episode is brought to you by Loot Crate. I uh, want to take just a quick break to talk about them. Uh, it, it's basically a like a subscription service. If you had a really cool friend who would send you cool, nerdy gifts every month uh, and you have to pay that friend a little bit of money, um, that kind of messes up the metaphor, I know, but still... The, the point of the, the fact of the matter is you don't have to go find this stuff yourself. You kick in less than 20 bucks a month, you get six to eight items of gamer and pop culture license gear, apparel, collectibles, that kind of cool stuff. And uh, we got a code for you right now, lootcrate.com slash control, and then you enter the code control, and you can save $3 on any new subscription. Um, this month, is uh, the theme is Galaxy. So you're going to see some stuff from Star Wars, some stuff from Halo 5, an exclusive Funko Pop, an exclusive shirt. Uh, lots of really neat uh, stuff. Um, in the past, they've had uh, boxes like there was a time travel one that was great. Had lots of Bill and Ted gear and Doctor Who gear and Back to the Future stuff. It was really neat. Um, last month was combat. So there was like some Hunger Games, some Fallout. Um, it's a really cool thing and it's really fun to see what you get every month because it's a total surprise. Um, and one note, you do have until the 19th at 9 p.m. Pacific to subscribe and receive this month's crate because after the cutoff happens, that's it. You, you do not get this box. So if you want the one with the cool Star Wars stuff in it, you're going to go to lootcrate.com slash control right now and enter the code control to save $3 on your new subscription today. Um, Arthur, I have a question for you from uh, Matt, and it's sort of a longer uh, conversation, but uh, uh, let me give you the short version of it. It's a question about value. Uh, and uh, Matt says, I think comparisons to other games that come out at $60 are complicated and oversimplified because value is a relative thing, even if there's arguably more on the base game of Call of Duty versus Siege. It ultimately comes down to how expensive development is for a game and the publisher to justify the business model. Um, so what what do you think about the value of, of Rainbow Six Vegas? It's not necessarily... We talk a lot about how value isn't necessarily the purview of a review a lot of the time, but we're outside the review. We're just loosey goosey here on quality control. So how does it, how does it, how does it feel to you? I, I think that for me personally, the value of rainbow six siege is a difficult like justification to make. Cause I, I think that first of all, for a game that's strictly multiplayer, uh, it's, it's only got 12 maps. Uh, I think right now, I think they're planning on adding more over time, but as it is now, the $60 you're paying is getting you 12 maps. Uh, you can play single player quote situations that populate multiplayer maps with AI Uh, and terrorist hunt also takes place on the same maps. So no matter what you're doing in the game, it is on the same 12 maps and it starts to feel really repetitive uh, and matches don't even really take advantage of the sort of full map that you're playing on it usually isolates itself to very specific parts so i think that the value proposition of a game like this almost entirely comes down to its ability to get players together to get them to play with each other to make games fun to keep that engagement loop going because players are the content in a game like this in a multiplayer Mm -hmm. game in particular uh 
Like, if if it doesn't have a player base, then it doesn't matter how many maps it has. It just doesn't have any value. And you, go ahead. You, you know what's funny? I just want to mention about maps. And I may be completely alone in here. But uh, for me, whenever I hit the, the fewer the number of maps, the better, in my opinion. Um, I think one of the biggest problems I have with, with shooters is that I never learn the maps because there's mm-hmm. so many and games come out at such a rate that it's hard for me to like get really deep in. I would always prefer fewer really good maps as opposed to like, it just seems like a weird metric to me. Like map count has always seemed like a very odd thing to to think about. And I, I mean, I know that you're, you have to quantify the whatever metrics you have available to you when you're talking about value, but like, like chess only has the one map. You know what I'm sure. saying? Like that's kind of a dumb comparison, but you know what I'm getting at? Yeah, uh, I mean, chess doesn't ask $60, to be fair. It depends uh, on which chess set you get, Arthur. Sure, sure. But you, then you're you could probably about, spend a lot more than that. Then you're talking about the sort of value of an object. But I think that I, I'm sympathetic to what you're saying in that uh, the multiplayer game that I spend the most time with by far is Dota, which has a single map. Uh, but if that's the case, then I, I really think that there has to be some manner of adding sophistication and potential for different play experiences. And I think in that regard, I don't think that Siege is doing a great job of providing that sort of variety. Um, mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. the character system that it introduces, uh, which are called operators, is directly taken from MOBAs like League of Legends and Dota sure. and Smite and Heroes of the Storm. Except there's just not that many characters. Uh, are they 20. role focused? Like, are you going to need to roll out with like X number of certain roles for the operators? Uh, or is it more player preference. They they definitely have different kinds of equipment that 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 really interact with the world in a different way. Like some like there are defensive characters and attack characters. So in that regard, you've only got ten options at any given time. Uh, and I think that different characters are good at different things. And in a case could be made that there are support operators and defensive operators and attacking operators um so i think that there's potential there for something like that but there's also just not enough characters to really get a a interesting dynamic in that way um Mm -hmm. i think there's potential for them to do that and they're going to add more operators uh or so they've said but uh if no one buys it they won't well i mean they'll (laughs) they'll support the game for at least a few months like to try to get people on board uh, I'll be interested because it's the, the really weird thing about this is it sounds like from from uh, the outside looking in that if they did continue to support it and put a lot more content into it, like it's not the the structure is not rotten. It sounds like to me. I think the mechanical foundation of the game is strong. I think that the business model of the game is always going to be a hurdle um, unless they just radically change the way that you progress the game um the 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 sort of way that you have to unlock characters requires just grinding through and playing things you don't necessarily want to do mm-hmm. until you get those things uh and and in a game that costs 60 dollars or and with a 30 dollar season pass it's just very strange for them to lift a business model or what's a progression model that comes from games that are free that allow you to spend money to speed things up. And this does the same thing. Rainbow Six Siege allows you to pay real physical money for experience boosters to to unlock things faster. Um, You can't currently buy characters uh, or weapon skins directly, 
Although the, as I mentioned in the review, and there's a screenshot in there of the text, there's text in the store that suggests that that is coming, um, which just it just makes it very strange and and difficult to parse. Y'all, if you want to do that, stop charging sixty dollars for games. Like it's, it's nuts. If you if this game had released as a free to play game, I, it would be functionally identical to the way the the. the the presentation that's in there now. And that's the thing that surprises me the most. That's why this old guard can't get hang with this new dynamic. Like you gotta, you gotta have the flexibility to put your game out there and just trust that people are going to, Oh man. Ah, Hachi Machi. That's all I got to say about that. Arthur, thank you for joining us. Thank you to, uh, our pals at loot crate. Remember lootcrate.com slash control use the code control and you can save three dollars on a new subscription but get there before the 19th to get that box um we got a ton of stuff on polygon we're about to ramp into a uh, 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 game of the year which is always a fun time um the campaigning has begun around polygon hq a lot of people banging the drum trying to get their favorites uh onto the 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 a big awards pedestal that we built for everybody. Uh, but uh, that, so that's always a fun time and we'll have a lot of that coverage on the site beginning probably next week, I would imagine. Um, and th- so there's a lot more stuff on polygon.com and you're going to get a lot of quality control because the plan as it stands right now is to do sort of mini episodes for all the games that we put on our top 10 list. Um, so uh, that, that, uh, apologies in advance for weighing your podcast player down with lots of content, but uh, we hope you dig it. Uh, anyway, that's going to do it for us. Uh, for Arthur Geese, my name is Justin McElroy, and thank you for listening to Polygon's Quality Control. Quality Control.